Welcome to Ex Libris On Air and the stories behind the stories of today's literature and their authors. Greetings for Ex Libris On Air. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book is titled Girls Wear Combat Boots 2 T O O. And joining me from near Washington, D.C., is the author, D. Bryant. Welcome, D., to the program. Thank you, Jay, and I'm so glad to be here today to talk about my new book. Well, this is exciting. When you use the term new book, does that mean there have been other books, or is this uh, something that's fresh off the press for you? Well, it's kind of like yes and yes. And so this is actually my second book, and my new book, Girls Wear Combat Boots 2, is fresh off of the presses. Fantastic. I love the cover. The cover is exciting looking. Uh, it has uh, a very animated uh, cover, if I can describe it that way. It looks like a young lady doing handsprings or doing cartwheels in the in a field full of grass dressed in combat um, attire. Is that a uh, self-portrait, or what is that, uh, D? I'm looking at? No, <laughs> no Jay, it's not. Actually, um, because the book is titled Girls Wear Combat Boots 2, it kind of takes me back to my military days, and so I am retired military, Army, 21 years of faithful and honorable service. Wow. And while stationed in the Army, I had the opportunity to jump out of airplanes, and as a result, that kind of gave me the idea of the cover for the book. Phenomenal. It has a military focus. <laughs> well, that's phenomenal, and uh, the fact that you jumped out of airplanes and apparently had parachutes and other important uh, important uh, equipment, you survived and, and now are an author. Had you always desired to be an author? No, that was never my intent at all, and so I know I always wanted to you know, retire from the military. I love my career in the area of communications, and so... After I got out, you know, I was able to spend a lot of time in my kids' school. And so I became that parent that was always actively engaged in everything. And so based upon that, I was able to develop a relationship with the kids, the parents, and the teachers. And um, just listening to some of the comments of some of the kids, you know, it's kind of like to be able to give back in a way that can help to inspire our young children you know, I think that was the thinking behind me writing this book. It, it was never anything that I had set out to do. It's kind of like it just happened. Beautifully written and illustrated, I might add. The illustrations are very colorful. Uh, typically, if I were to see this on the bookshelf, I'd think, well, this is a book probably designed for really young kids and to be read to them. And yet, yes. with 54 pages, that's a little bit uh, out of the question, I would say. Who is your target audience when you wrote this? Yeah, so the target audience for this book is actually young children. I'm thinking perhaps, you know, first through third grade. I think the book is quite appropriate because going back to the title of the book, this book is based upon an eight-year-old character, and her name is Grace Schuyler. And so throughout the book, she's learning to take small steps towards overcoming her fear of heights. Mm. And what's really ironic about this book is that although Grace has a fear of heights, she still wants to live out her five-year-old dream, and that is to someday jump out of an airplane and fly in the sky like a bird, <laughs> just like her mom did when she was stationed in the Army. Wow. Now, so it's targeted towards young audience. Is, is, is there any personal history that's included in here, or is it all imaginative? No, no, I think there is some personal history, because, as I said before, um, I had the opportunity to 
you know, become a parachutist while stationed in the Army. And even before I even stepped out to even try to become airborne qualified, I was scared and very much afraid. But yet there was this little birdie in my ear that always encouraged me, you can do this just like all those men, you can do it. Mm. And um, so I kind of pull some of that from my, my own personal history. And then within the story itself, you know, there's some self-doubt, even with me in my own experience. But within this book, you will realize, you know, she's able to sit and listen to some of the comments of her school classmates. Mm. And then even listening to some of the negative comments, Grace, she still refuses to be discouraged by that. And she continues to push forward with the loving support of her family. And it's just really an inspirational book. Yes. Did you have family mentors that encouraged you and uh, gave you the impetus to, to achieve what you've achieved? The biggest influence in my life, I would have to say, was my grandmother. She was always my biggest fan. I remember shortly after going into the military, I would come home on, you know, like Christmas breaks and things like that. My grandmother would always drag me to church with her. I mean, I love <laughs> the Lord. But she would always drag me to church, and then she would always make me stand in front of the congregation just so she would brag about, that's my granddaughter, she's a soldier in the Army. She got like, <laughs> super, super excited. It was always so embarrassing. Now that she's no longer with us, I, I sometimes I think about that, and I just get so so encouraged because she always believed in me she always encouraged me to do my best never give up no matter what people say and she was always there and so she was truly my biggest inspiration that was indeed my grandmother what a beautiful lady definitely my biggest inspiration to tell me that i can do anything that i set up my mind to do and that's exactly what i've been able to do thus far and i just i'm grateful to god for that it is exciting to to think of uh, not only your history but uh, there are a lot of achievers in history that have had similar stories to yours where there's been an individual or a, a parent or a grandparent or someone that has cheered them on and or, or caused them to be successful. I, I was thinking about Mr. Rogers, for example. I think it was his grandparent oh, yeah. who, who kept encouraging him, telling him, hey, you know, Fred, you can do anything you want to do. And uh, he certainly was and still is, uh, even though he has passed away, a great inspiration to young people. And uh, I'm a little older than, uh, than a child, but I still have a great admiration for Fred Rogers. What is the thing that sat gives you the most satisfaction about completing the book? the most satisfying thing is that I actually did it mm. because with my first book I finished that back in 2016 January 2016 and then I think it was probably towards the end of 2016 is when I started thinking about the idea of possibly writing a children's book and then I started to scribble different topics I wanted to talk about and so it seemed as though it was a project that was never really quite getting off the ground. And um, I think within the last six months or so, I got really serious about it. I brought in a, an illustrator who has been fantastic, and I just really got it done. And so the most exciting thing is just completing the book. Mm -hmm. and now getting ready to go out to promote the book. 
That's what I'm finding most exciting at this point. Well, it's certainly a a task that is deserving of uh, congratulations for sure. Now, Gracie, your main character, what is, you mentioned the the main concern she had or fear that she was trying to overcome was heights or or jumping from from heights. Uh, Her sister jumped from the porch, and that's part of the opening scene here, and Gracie had some concerns maybe about that or concerns about uh, heights in general. What is the most exciting thing that you created in the book that you think the reader is going to uh, gravitate toward? Yeah, I think what's really exciting is the part where, you know, it starts out about Grace just being afraid of heights. And the reason why that happened was Grace is now eight years old, but when she was six years old, she got pushed off at the top of a playground slide. Mm. And as a result, she ended up developing a fear of heights. And I think what really resonates that's going to really truly resonate with our young kids is the fact that it's a, it's a real type of story that happens every day. And then on top of that, I've had the opportunity to share my book with some adults that have read the book to their children. And they told me how excited the kids were about the book and the fact that I have questions planted throughout the book that kind of gets the kids to think about what they just read. It's just been super, super exciting. I think it it is a a project that, you know, has been created with lots of love. And I think it's truly going to resonate with our young children. And in the end, they're going to be like motivated and inspired to just get out there and just tackle the world and just super excited about that. Well, they they definitely need that encouragement with uh, the negativity that's in our universe right now, especially with children. I'm sure there's a lot of fear. Uh, this one dealing with height and uh, parachuting and other other uh, I- important exciting things that will uh, stimulate the imagination for sure. And and have you had? Uh, although this is, uh, if I may describe it this way, a a book that deals with a girl as a heroine. Have the boys been responsive to this as well? Have you had an opportunity to get their feedback? Yes, yes. Actually, I've had the opportunity to speak with a couple of parents that have boys and girls. And um, I had one parent that I actually had a conversation with about two weeks ago, and she explained to me how she started to make this book a part of their bedtime reading. And she's only reading just a few pages each night. Hmm. And she's been telling me how her kids, her she has a little boy and two little girls, and she told me how her son is just as excited as the girl. And um, he's been buzzing in quite a bit, you know, trying to answer the questions, what they've read. They're super excited, can't wait to get to the book. And so she has not completed the book because she's trying to pace herself. But uh, just to hear those kind of comments coming out of her mouth and reference to her son, I thought it was just, just fantastic. Wow. Even though the book is, you know, it's, it features a young little girl, this book is for both, both genders, boys and girls. And um, we all face fears, especially when we're young. And I think this will allow, you know, whoever the person that reads or hears the readings of this book to be able to relate and get excited about it. Absolutely. A great idea. Now, if you were to introduce this to someone, and and I think we've covered it probably, but in a a succinct and direct method, share with my listeners how you would introduce this. If you were on stage somewhere and they said, what's this book about? Share it in a couple of sentences, how this book might impact them. 
Yeah, so I would say that, you know, I would talk about this book is about eight-year-old Grace, you know, who has developed a fear of heights because she was pushed off of a playground slide. However, in the midst of being afraid, she is still very determined because she has a very loving and supportive family that encourages her to go beyond her fear. And so throughout the book, it's kind of like, you know, she has the opportunity to demonstrate how she just grows throughout this book. And I'm just super excited. And I can see that easily translating to any boy or any young girl in terms of, you know, helping them to at least, you know, start to tackle or to at least take that first step towards getting over their fear. Oh, phenomenal. It's going to be quite powerful once the word truly, truly gets out there. Well, indirectly, whether you intended it to or not, you have uh, touched on uh, maybe bullying in a in a light manner, and um, because of uh, her being pushed off of a, a slide or a swing or a, a you know playground equipment when she was younger, uh, so that is addressed in your book as well, and and how the story of faith and belief in herself and positive attitude has uh, caused her to grow as an individual and as a child. Uh, what is the end of the book? Uh, is she still a child at the end, or how would you describe right. it? So towards the end of the book, Grace, she, she turns nine. But what's really exciting is that even though she's a little child and her dream is to someday jump and fly in the sky like a bird, you know, she has that opportunity to do that in stimulation. And so she ends up going to a camp where she has the opportunity to really get in there and to really face her fears. And in the end, you know, she's super excited. You know, things turns out really, really great for her. And um, she even, you know, leaves a little hint about what she's going to possibly do next. And so you got to read it to really find out more about the story. But I think it's, it's just one of those stories that, you know, any young child can relate to, and I'm just super excited about that. Uh, the title again is Girls Wear Combat Boots 2, T-O-O. My author, D. Bryant, who has joined me from near Washington, D.C., and it was illustrated by C.J. Love. I'll give, give a little credit there because the illustrations are spectacular. D. where can my listeners get a copy of this? Yes, so to find out more about me or my new book, Please visit my website at www.deebryantspeaks.com. There you go out there, you'll learn more about me and, um, and what I'm trying to do with this book. So I encourage all your readers to at least go check out my website and um, check it out for yourself. You Excellent. will not be disappointed. Excellent. And uh, Dee, give us that web address one more time, please. Yes. My website is www, you got to put in the www.deebryantspeaks.com. Excellent. Please check it out today. Absolutely, and they can order it from their local bookseller as well if they ask for it by name. Girls Wear Combat Boots 2, and uh, the author, D. Bryant. And also, I'm guessing the major online booksellers will have copies of this as well. So, an exciting story. Thank you for sharing your history and uh, the reason this book was published and written in the first place. And also, wish you a great success with it. And uh, advise my listeners, get a copy of this. I think your children or young adults will enjoy reading it and uh, viewing the, uh, the illustrations. They're spectacular. Thank you, D., for joining me today. Thank you, Jay. Thank you for having me. My pleasure for Ex Libris On Air. This is Jay Douglas Barker.
Ex Libris returns after these short messages. Congratulations on getting your book published. The effort you put into your work is truly commendable. But what's next? What will happen to all the knowledge you have worked so hard to acquire to produce your book? Here at TogiNet Radio, we can provide you a platform to keep your knowledge working for you through the power of podcasts. The subjects our podcast cover are as varied as the grains of sand on a beach. From life coaching, to military resources, to business success, even to the paranormal. We have a place for everyone. To get started on your next step, call Scott at 903-787-5880 or email him at scott at toginetradio.com. That's S-C-O-T-T at T-O-G-I-N-E-T-R-A-D-I-O dot com. Back to Ex Libris. Greetings for Ex Libris on air. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book is titled Children in the Park. And joining me from New Hampshire is my author, guest, Rosemary E., middle initial, Bishop. Welcome, Rosemary. Hi, Jay. How are you? Pleasure. You have written six other novels. This one is the latest in the series of uh, of uh, creative adventures, 406 pages. How in yes. the world have you become so prolific as an author? Have you always wanted to be an author, and have you always wanted to be published? Jay, I've been writing since I was in second grade. So I was, I don't know, eight, nine years old at that time. I'm much older now. I just... I, I see a, there's a release in putting things on paper, just getting things out, just off your mind, off your chest. And so I just started writing poems in, in second grade. I wrote a silly little short story about my girlfriend and I doing a cross-country road trip together. <laughs> and I wasn't even in junior high at that point. That's incredible. I just, I just always enjoyed doing this. And do you keep, uh, do you keep diaries and, and other written uh, records of your thoughts? No. I honestly don't. I um, I used to, um, but uh, it's a long story. I don't do diaries anymore. I, <laughs> Suffice I, it to say, I don't. I, I think I can read between the lines on the diary okay. side. Yes, yes, absolutely. Now, this book, 406 pages, uh, explain with my listeners a little of the style of writing, if you, if you can, and uh, where the storyline came from. Well, my, my, the storyline itself came from a dream that my father had years ago and told me about it. And I said, Dad, you know that's a book. And he <laughs> said, what? So I said, can I do this? And he said, do whatever you want. So I took it from there. Um, my style of writing is, I believe, different than other authors because I have a main character in my mind. I know what I want that character to do. And I just start writing. I before I sit down, I mean, it's all going through my mind. And before I sit down at the computer, um, I've got an antagonist set up or a group of antagonists, and I've got uh, support for the main character, um, you know, secondary characters. But um, it's all playing out in my mind for months and months and months and months, and finally it gets to a point where I feel like I'm going to explode mm. if I don't get it on paper. And that's when the writing starts. Well, that's that's a great style of uh, of 
writing, and I've uh, visited with a lot of writers. Some of them take uh, copious notes before they begin. Uh, you, I know. You have at least uh, the outline of your characters, and uh, you know what direction they're headed. Do you do you uh, take a long time to complete a novel once you get to that, that creative energy source that you're ready to uh, to share it on paper? Normally, no. It's between a year or two to complete one. Um, this one that just came out took a lot longer because... I think it took four years because mm. I, in between, I was studying for federal exams. I was an investment advisor, and it, um, there was four main exams I had to study for and over the, and work at the same time wow. and try to write. So there was a lot going on. So I started it before I started the studying for the exams, and then I realized I've got to put the exams first right now, and I put this book on the back burner for about a year year or two, probably. Um, and finally, once I passed the fourth exam, I was able to jump back into it a lot and contacted my editor, who's she's phenomenal. She's a type A personality, uh-huh. but she does what I need her to do. So, um, so finally, I was able to jump into it, and then get it over to the publisher. Incredible process. Now, you mentioned that your father had a dream. Was his dream as extensive as uh, your finished novel? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I didn't think so. <laughs> no, it just, he, he had another one, too, that I'm probably going to base the next book on, and I just, you know, he, 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 in the beginning of my writing, he was not my inspiration. Mm. My inspiration, well, I can't even say that because my dad always fed my otherworldly endeavors, um, like vampires and witchcraft and all that kind of stuff. He always fed that, which my mom didn't like. She was an <laughs> English major, and she was a, a writer. Um, but she, but it, I guess from going way back, he inspired almost everything I've done from that perspective. But these last two, he actually gave me the characters and everything, and I said, wow. okay, stop. I need I need antagonists, and this isn't going to help me. Let me take it from here. And that's what's going on with the next book, too. It uh, sounds like a, a handout, I mean, a questionable uh, interjection for, for royalties, maybe, on, on his side. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it could be. It could be, yes. Now, the, the title itself, Children in the Park, significance of that mm-hmm. title, and uh, how, does it, how does it address or introduce the story? Well, because it starts out with the main character, Steve Maldir, who sees children playing in the park during his lunch hour. And when it's October and, and the weather's still nice, you don't question what these kids are wearing. But when you start getting into November, and some kids are dressed up really warm, and other kids are still wearing the same things that you saw back in October, you start to say, wait a minute, what's going on here? But Steve, he's an... Um, He's an architect, and he designs pre-built homes, redesigns uh, rooms within the homes, and many times he, he's designing new buildings, but mostly he's redesigning what's here uh, in New England. Mm. And so during his lunch hour, he's going to the park just to get away from all of the whole, his own creative process. And But over time, he starts to see these kids and doesn't understand why some of them are just warm, their parents are there. Other kids are dressed the same way they were a month ago, and there's no parents. Where are the parents? And he starts, and, and his mind notices this, but his job takes him away from that over time. 
interesting twist. You have on the back of your cover a, a, a reference to the fact that there is a, a, a scary or unique twist to your story. Uh, yeah. Who is your audience? Uh, what, uh, what can you share about that? Well, my audience would be anybody who's interested in supernatural, anybody who's interested in um, children, because the bottom line is trying to protect these dead children, um, because you, uh, once Steve realizes what's going on, and he only finds out from a dead teenager, also in the same park later on, um, but now he's worried about the kids. But he can't tell anybody because they'll all think he's crazy. So he's keeping it to himself. Thankfully, he's got a teenage deceased uh, partner, put it that way, all right. um, who kind of guides him to what's actually going on. Hmm. You've got my attention already. Would you call <laughs> the contents uh, action-driven or are they character-driven? I would say both. I just had a fantastic book review come in from Pacific uh, reviewers, book reviewers on the West Coast, and I was floored by how they recognize that I do combine genres. Um, it's not just a romance or a horror or supernatural. It's all of the above. Everything I do combines the genres. And so it was very nice to see that from a reviewer who notices what's actually going on in these books because that's always been the hardest part for me was to pick a genre because there's so much involved in all of them well you're a very creative uh, individual obviously having uh, really completed six other novels do they fall in the same genre as this uh, this novel or are they a little bit different well they're close the Noah's Garden was written for young adults, and it's mostly fantasy, but it does bring the traditional Noah into it at the end, and it's all animals and mythical creatures. There's no human beings until the end. So that one is different from all the others, but the Moral Vampire series, um, I'm in, in negotiations right now to with a film studio in L.A. to convert the book to uh, screen and even they are, what do we put this into? And they pretty much settled on Thriller mm. because some of the, most of the scenes with some of the characters, as you can imagine, um, there's tense, very tenseful. And so the, it's stress-driven. You don't know if this person's going to live or die, and a lot of them die. But. Oh, well, I was gonna, I was gonna say yuck, but that's not correct. If it's an action thriller, that uh, that could be very exciting. You, you, yeah. in the scenes in this book, as you began to write them, was there one that really, really excited you to to write and share and to put on paper? Well, there was a few of them. Um, well, what? First of all, when Steve meets a teenage spirit, because it. It's shocking. It's, it's, you don't know. Even my editor, when she, when she read through the book, she said, what? That was her big comment in that section. She said, what? And I thought, good, she got it. Okay. Mm. And the other one, um, when, there's a part when Sam, Samael, who was from the Bible, he is, uh, one of the, he, he is a second antagonist. Lilith is the main one. Um, she's the first fallen 
angels, uh, even before Satan. Hmm. And Samael is her cohort, her lover, her a lot of things. But he destroys some of the spirit children right in front of Rodney to kind of to try to scare Rodney off. That's another one. It it was hard for me to write that one. Hmm. Um, so, but I had to I had to fix it within my own self. And um, he was only doing that to teach Rodney a lesson to stay away. And the other one that really t- struck me that um, my editor Don Higgins, uh, when Greg who's another character, and Steve, the main character, are trying to rescue uh, this gentleman, Daniel, from a car that is stuck in the river up in Maine. It's winter, it's cold, the river's running. Lilith purposely made that car go off the road into the riverbank. And so that whole series was, I mean, I've got chills right now even remembering it. Sounds like uh, an adventure for sure, as you've described it, and not just one genre. It spills into many different areas. Would you consider it fast-paced in the, in the way that the uh, storyline unfolds? Yeah, this one, yeah. The people who have read it have not been able to put it down. A friend of mine who hadn't read a book in, book in 20 years, she's also an author for children's books, but she doesn't read these kinds of things. She read it because for different reasons, but she couldn't stop. She read the whole thing in a week and a half. Wow. And she said, I couldn't stop. I'm not even going to work. <laughs> I'm like, you, gotta, you can't do that, Kathy. It's not, it's, not, it's not healthy. But she said, I just can't say enough. I just I couldn't stop. Wow. So now she's going back to read the other books that I've written. Well, that's a wonderful commendation just in its own right. And what you've described uh, for us and for my listeners is a book that is fast-paced and uh, reaches and touches a lot of different uh, areas. Was was there a, a moral to the story that popped to the surface at the end, or is it just a good read? Uh, well, it's a good read, but uh, I would have to say, if there's a moral, it's what is written right on the cover about, um, I can't remember the exact wording for it, but it's uh, how... And entities from all realms of life can come together, regardless of the diversity, regardless of whether you believe or not. They come together to protect what's most valuable, and that's our children. Beautifully said. The title of the book, again, is Children in the Park. My guest author, Rosemary E., middle initial, Bishop. <laughs> Rosemary, where can I get copies of your book? You can get them through Ex Libris, which is a publisher. You can get them through Amazon. You can get them through Barnes & Noble, you can get them through eBay, and there's a lot of smaller uh, bookstores online who are carrying them, too. Fabulous. Uh, they can also request it at their local bookseller under your name or under the title, Children in the Park. Uh, do you have right. a web- website developed yet for, for my listeners? Uh, it's my name. It's www.rosemarybishop. I don't put the middle initial E in there. It's just www.rosemarybishop.com. Excellent. Well, I'm certain many who are listening now will want to uh, source this and find out more about your exciting adventure as an author. Thank you for joining me today and sharing your story. Thank you, Jay. My Have pleasure. a wonderful day. My pleasure for Ex Libris On Air. This is Jay Douglas Barker. Ex Libris returns after these short messages. Only once every few years does a show come along that makes you think, makes you care, makes you believe the impossible. A show featuring only the best in writing, acting, and directing. 
Until that show comes along, we suggest Paranoria, Texas. Thrilled to the adventures of six super-powered nerds on a never-ending quest to take over the world and to complete their collection of She-Hulk comics. Paranoria, Texas, Monday nights at 8 p.m. Central on astronetradio.com. Welcome back to Ex Libris. Greetings for Ex Libris on air. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book is titled Impregnation of Evil, and it comes from the creative mind of my guest author who joins me from the west coast of the United States, Jonas Hansen. Welcome, sir, to the program. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much. Well, under <laughs> under under your name, it says judge this book by its cover, and I think there's a reason for that. You have two attractive-looking young ladies—I'm uh, I'm over 30—young ladies on the cover, one with a sword, the other with a pistol. Uh, is that the reason we should judge this book by its cover? Yes, like, in a way, I think so, because, like, when you start reading the book, you're going to realize there is a lot about these chicks and why they carry a pistol, and why the other one carries a sword. Excellent. That's just like you... Yeah, you also have on the back cover, is the human male necessary? That's a scary thought in one, from one perspective, I guess mine. Uh, is that uh, have any, anything to do with the content? Yes, it is. It's... Um, I've... I've um, I saw a documentary when I was a kid uh, about fish, and these fishes could, like, make themselves pregnant without the need of a man. Hmm. And, like, scientist guy on TV was like, well, these fishes are interesting because this can happen to human females as well. So I was just like, okay. And then he was like, in, like, 200 or so years. So I'm, like, testing that theory if, like, certain females could get pregnant and would evolution rule them out, and it will just be females impregnating themselves, and therefore, why is man necessary? You uh, know, what if evolution just like, okay, fuck it, like, no more men, because it's just unsafe. Uh, yeah, yeah, interesting premise, for sure. Science fiction would be a way to describe, perhaps, the content of your book, uh, and uh, perhaps a, an, an adult audience. Would that be a good way to describe it as well? Definitely an adult audience, but like an adult audience with a playful mind. Mm. Like I think the book is very playful. There's a lot of cheeky moments and cute stuff. And I mean, life in general. I mean, sure, there are there are girls who sling guns and like slice heads. But like, <laughs> you know, the book has a very cute side as well. But yeah, definitely adult, like be an adult. Yeah. Unless, of course, you're like a teenager and you want to test, you know. Dangerous waters, like edgy book. I, I hear what you're saying. Now, you also, in addition to being an author of literature, uh, have a, a creative interest as a producer in, in doing. Is it uh, movies? Are you uh, aspiring to do that? Have you done any to this point? Yes, I have done two long motion pictures. One that was kind of a success here in the underground culture of America called Spiritual Agony. It was like about this sad alcoholic who lives in a small village in Sweden. And um, that, that one was fun. And then the other one I did recently, Eyes of the Sun, which is like an Indiana Jones drug movie. Um, 
So yeah, that one was pretty cool. It's on YouTube if you want to watch it. Just like type search Eyes of the Sun, Indiana Jones on drugs, and you will see like uh, two eyes and a beautiful sun. Well, that's well, what I've been I, doing. I will do that when when I get when I get a few few minutes of time to uh, kind of catch up on your creative side. The title of this book, "Impregnation of Evil," uh, is an interesting title for sure. Uh, when you began to write this, uh, did you start out wanting to actually write a book? Were you wanting to write maybe a screen? play um, a flesh a fleshed out screenplay perhaps in the style of what you have shared or or explain the process process was like I took this class in English and uh, he was just like either you do all these like stock based homework or like you fail the class and I was like how about if I write an 80 page book and he was like intrigued by the idea. Hmm. So I just wrote the book as homework. And it suited me because I've been wanting to write a book, but I lacked the motivation to do it. But I had to succeed in this class. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to like, I guess, progress at that time in life. So it was like really much of a need to like save myself. How long did it take Jonas to complete? Did you have an outline or did you just work from inspirational uh, creativity on, uh, on the fly? It would be a way to describe it, I guess. Very, very much on the fly. Like, I just, like, the beginning of the book is, like, basically a homage to the first 15 minutes of a famous video game. And, like, the rest of the stuff is just, like, improvised on the spot, like, when I was sort of drunk or when I was just, like, feeling it. And Because I, I just had, like, four weeks to write this. So I was just, like, we got to do, like, everything. We got to pull the guns here. And I was, like, pretty crazy person at that time when I wrote this book. So, I like, I did a lot of weird stuff like nothing dangerous just like weird artsy stuff you know like why is he doing this and i'm like yeah i'm doing it to be creative so interesting super um, weird book right yeah I, I talk to a lot of authors and everyone has a different approach to the writing process some will do a complete outline outline the characters and uh, you know flesh that out and it takes them i've had some authors tell me it's 27 years of writing so to accomplish <laughs> this to accomplish a book of any type uh, that's legible yeah. and readable within a short period is a is a a, a wonderful achievement just on its own. D did you uh, submit this to the class? You say it was a class project, sort of. And did you submit this to the class prior to deciding to to put it into print in a traditional manner? Yes, I did. Like uh, the teacher was like, I I, w I wouldn't say he, he was kind of impressed. He thought the book was like shitty at first. But then he had, like, another one of his teacher friends read the book as well. And then they both sort of, like, became kind of, like, obsessed with it and thought it was quite good. Hmm. So I found it very interesting. And I have had a few friends read the book, and they were also just, like, it's kind of, like, shitty, but it's, like, super good. So, like, there's, like, a love and hate feeling towards this book. So I guess after a few people read it, I was just like, well, let's just test it and publish it, you know, like... Maybe there is people who like this kind of stuff, uh, like, you know. It it, it does have uh, a sexual content, correct, or am I uh, misreading it? No, you're definitely not misreading it. Have some of it in there. Uh, yes. Which page are you referring to? <laughs> well, I'm actually like, which part I'm, of the chapter. I'm actually cheating. I'm looking at the notes. I don't. I don't have a specific page in mind. But I was just uh, again trying to alert my listeners. Uh, this book again would be probably more comfortable in the hands of adults because of uh, content. Is it said in the present day or is it future tense? 
Uh, I think it depends uh, on how you view it. Um, uh, on some level, the book take place in the future. Maybe like uh, a weird version of Los Angeles, but the main character kind of comes off as a bit of a liar sometimes. Mm. So, you know, I don't think the location really matters. It's just a very imaginative book, and it, like that's why it's so beautiful that it is a book, because the things she imagined would just be like, how are we going to turn this into a movie, even though the film would look beautiful? Oh, it's with kind of that philosophical mindset that I wrote it. Uh, Joanna, and, Joanna, your main character. Yeah, she is. And what what would be the is there a profession or a uh, a job title that that you would have assigned to her, or does she have one, or how how would she fit into the the storyline? She is just this um, like sociopathic little girl who very early on went to acting school and then became like a murdering agent because being an agent and an actor is basically the same thing. Hmm. But that's that's just, and then she fails on this mission in the beginning, but kind of fails. It's a bit of a twist. And she has to work with this girl on the cover, the girl with the sword, Pollyanna. And she is this kind of like weirdo, fake Nazi girl who is engaged with the main lead's brother. So Joanna has a brother, our main girl with John, that's her brother, and they're like in the cahoots, her and Pollyanna. So it's a little bit of a thriller going on there, it's like a little triangle drama. You have described it as a, a book of two crazy, crazy uh, female agents searching for a killer who is killing off the spawn of a new race. The new race, uh, how would you describe them? What what uh, What is their significance? And uh, how would, again, you're talking about an imaginative uh, tale, so this is not present day. Um, who is the new race and what makes them unique to this story? They're unique because they don't need man. They don't need male sperm. They can just grow up, and when their bodies feel ready, they can produce a baby safely in their womb. They don't need to, like, uh, be supportive of uh, any kind. They can just have a baby, and then they will, the baby will just have one mother, and that's that. That's their new purpose. They don't need to bond with a man or anything. They don't even have to do insemination. It's just self-insemination. You know, it's impregnation. Like, that's the unique way. And if these women become obsolete... Well, men will eventually be ruled out or maybe like a female Hitler type of character will just rule men out anyway because they are pointless in terms of breeding. Uh, sometimes I feel pointless. I do I do understand that, that term for sure. Is there yeah. one, one action scene in your book that stands out among all of them and you think will get the uh, the reader's attention and be very memorable to them? And is there an underlying, um, maybe a message or a moral to that scene? Yes, I would say so. Definitely like in the beginning, because she's doing the video game action killing, and it's very brutal and playful. Maybe too brutal, and you're like, what, what is this woman up to? But then she interacts with a woman, like just a, an assistant girl, a woman, and she's about to kill her, but she doesn't. And it's like... She has these million philosophical thoughts about why she wants to kill this woman, and it's just very deep. And you can kind of understand that through all this killing and weirdness, Joanna is 
not a psychopath. She is not a psycho. She is just a girl who was like thrown into a situation where she needs to be a psycho. But in fact, she's just a human like me or like you or like anybody. It's just so crazy around her. And that's like, I think if people catch up on that in the beginning, they will understand the book more easily. Like if I'm supposed to guide anyone how to read my book, I don't know. It's just like a very weird book. And I kind of wrote it with the intention of that the person who reads it will kind of change and like change their point of view on certain things. While at the same time being like super fun, like because these characters are not supposed to be taken 100% seriously, even though we have like a rapist in the middle of the book who takes up a big portion of the book as well. And we have this cyborg maniac and all these other characters. It's just like, what has this dude written? It's just like a fun little adventure book with a very serious theme on humanity and female and males and all that. And then it ends in a blast. Mm. Now, when you say it ends, I'm guessing the characters disappear off the planet or disappear from the pages for sure. Did you leave an open opening in the event that maybe in the future you'd want to do uh, an, an additional in, in a series, perhaps using these same characters? I love that you asked that question because, yes, I leave it very open, but also very closed. With that said, this book is its own book. And even though I'm planning a sequel, which I am, you don't have to read the first book to understand the second book. And the second book will definitely take place in Los Angeles. And it will feature like this blood queen of L.A. and the sickness of being here in L.A. and how intense it can be featuring the same characters, but not necessarily having anything to do with the first book at all, but definitely carrying these themes that the first book will provoke these themes about you know, weirdness and what is okay and what is not okay and, you know, video game killing and all that. Well, thank you for sharing your your insight. Again, the title is Impregnation of Evil, and it's from the creative Mm -hmm. mind of author and uh, also producer Jonas Hansen, H-A-N-S-E-N. Jonas, where do my listeners get a copy of the book, should they wish? You can uh, search for it on Amazon, Impregnation of Evil. It's pregnation with I am in the beginning and evil, kind of like Resident Evil, but Impregnation of Evil. And it's just two attractive uh, Slovakian-looking females on the cover, uh, De La Frisa to the left and Mary Senko to the right. These are two Instagram profiles. They're just representing the characters, and even though they are very much like their characters, they are nothing like them in personality. So definitely follow them and see what they're up to and like look out for the sequel. Uh, and you can also buy this book on Ex Libris, where this book is published by. Uh, so that's pretty cool. But just search on it, Amazon. Uh, search for it everywhere. Impregnation of Evil, Impregnation of Evil. It's like this weird book, you know. You'll definitely find it. Go to Facebook, Impregnation of Evil. Just search Impregnation of Evil, two agents with guns and swords, and that's it. Excellent. They can also uh, do a search under your name, Jonas, H-A-N-S-E-N, Jonas Henson, and uh, find out maybe more of uh, what books come in the future and a little more of the details on this particular edition titled Impregnation of Evil. Listeners, you can also uh, do a search or, or ask your local bookseller to order the book in for you as well under the name of the author, Jonas Hansen, or Impregnation of Evil, the book title. Thank you, Jonas, for joining me and sharing your story. Yeah, thank you. My pleasure for 
Yeah, let's see. Who am I with here? I'm with, with Ex Libris on air. This is Jay Douglas Barker. <laughs>